Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Phillies Today podcast. I am your host, Dan Wilson, coming to you following a Phillies win, a Phillies 5-1 win in a series opener out at Wrigley Field. Uh, The friendly confines of Wrigley Field that have not been so friendly to the Phillies in recent memory, you would not know it by watching Tuesday night's game. It was a nice cruising victory uh, for the Philadelphia Phillies. Phillies win 5-1. They improved to 41-37. and uh, Still three games back of the uh, Marlins, Giants, and Dodgers. I'll call it the three-headed monster there uh, in the NL wildcard standings. The Dodgers actually currently in last place. And uh, Just really quick before we dive into this game and kind of dive into my takeaways, uh, this National League playoff picture, it's going to be tough, and it's going to be tough until the end of the season. Whether or not you buy a team like the Marlins or whether or not you buy a team like the San Francisco Giants, there are a lot of teams in that NL wildcard race, and the Phillies are 16-3, and three, or 16-5 and five in their last 21 games, rather, and they've barely made up any ground. I mean, imagine 21 games ago, or like close to the beginning of June, uh, there on like June 4th, June 5th, saying the Phillies will go 16-5 and five, uh, in their next 21, and they'll still be three games out of a playoff spot. The Braves refuse to ever lose a game. Every single team in the National League East won on Tuesday night. Every team uh, who the Phillies are competing with continue to win uh, as good as the Phillies have been. So the Phillies are going to need to keep this up. The Phillies are absolutely going to need to play well above, I want to say well above 500, at least five, six, seven, eight games above 500 uh, throughout the course of the remainder of the season because otherwise they will not be participating in October baseball. They will not be headed to the postseason because uh, even though they've played pretty well here in the month of June, uh, it has not resulted in the Phillies being in a playoff spot and they're still on the outside looking in. So uh, there's some stiff competition in the National League and with less league games and less division games specifically uh, this season, uh, each game that you play, that much more important, especially against your league. Now, one of those teams the Phillies likely will not be competing against is the Chicago Cubs. The Cubs uh, are in contention because it's a bad NL Central. I still, probably more likely that they will be sellers rather than buyers at the trade deadline following uh, Tuesday night's loss. They are now three and a half games uh, out of a playoff spot out of the NL Central league. They're not going to get a wild card. Uh, they are 37 and 40. Uh, and funny enough, they actually entered play on Tuesday night with a better chance to make the postseason than the Phillies did. Uh, according to baseball reference, percentage wise, uh, the Cubs had a better shot to make the playoffs just because, as a result of the division they're in. On the flip side of that, the Phillies are in a stacked division, and the Braves are just, I mean, they, they're playing like one of the best teams 
uh, in all of Major League Baseball. Um, and their record reflects that. If it weren't for the Tampa Bay Rays, I mean, they have the best record in the NL. Them and the Rays have, like, head and shoulders been uh, the best teams in baseball uh, so far this season. Texas, Texas Rangers uh, also pretty good, but uh, the Braves and Rays, uh, both the first two teams to 50 wins uh, in this first half of this season. Uh, they're on pace to win more than 100. They're on pace to cruise to an NL East title. Uh, it's going to be a wild card. Can, it's going to be the wild card for the Phillies, for the Marlins, for if the Mets have any shot at turning this thing around. Uh, that's just going to be the path that the Phillies get to, which means four, five, or six seed going on the road, playing a three-game series, if you even get there, need to pile up these wins. So, again, Phillies just need to keep winning to stay afloat uh, at this point. They need to keep rattling off, <laughs> apparently, 16 out of 21 games uh, just to stay afloat or stay in contention uh, up until the trade deadline. Uh, and they did it on the back of Ranger Suarez. Ranger Suarez, I, I mean, what what can't you say about this guy? This guy has, exudes such confidence when he's out there on the mound. Uh, I heard the broadcasters really leaned into it. I've seen the comparison a number of times. Uh, my coworker and guy who was, you know, I, I produced again, final out on Tuesday night for uh, was Jack Fritz. He's been saying it. A number of people on social media have been saying it. The broadcaster said it on Tuesday. It reminds you a lot of a guy like Cliff Lee in the sense that, and at least what I see the similarities as, he's very, very laid back on the mound. Both of them were very strong fielders and nonchalant fielders, but more so with how they pitch, it's kind of just like sticking, and, I, and Jack said this on the post game. he sticks to the basics. He doesn't, he doesn't rely on th- overpowering you and throwing 100 miles an hour, and obviously he's coming off an injury this season, but he pitches in a very, like, textbook way and how you would teach uh, a kid to pitch. He, he works both sides of the plate. He pitches fastball, changeup, curveball. He throws, you know, mid-90s, uh, but it's nothing over imp- no overpowering by Major League standards. He's just very, very good uh, with deception. He's very good at, you know, changing the hitter's eye level. He's very, very good at changing up his pitch sequencing uh, and keeping hitters off balance that way. And he's, he's a very, for a purist of the game, you know, when I think of guys who play the game in a very, very pure way. Uh, on the hitting side, I think of a guy like Alec Bohm, although I'd like to see him you know, rip some more balls in the gap and drive the ball a little bit more than he does, but he has that nice textbook swing. Uh, if there was an equivalent to that in terms of pitching, I would say Ranger Suarez is that. And you know what? It results in me, this fan base, uh, Rob Thompson, and anyone associated with the Philadelphia Phillies having an unbelievable, unbelievable rather, uh, amount of confidence in him. I, I saw the, you know, I'm not the first one to say this, uh, but I'll echo it. Uh, a lot of people saying on Tuesday night and have said it already that if a playoff series was starting tomorrow, you know Zach Wheeler's still probably your number one, uh, but Ranger Suarez, he's your number two starter. And to be honest, he's probably closer to your number one starter than he is your number three. A lot is made every time that Aaron Nola takes the mound and you know how disappointing he is, and we all have this expectation that the Phillies have two aces in Wheeler and Nola. The Phillies might have two aces uh, in Wheeler and Ranger Suarez, and Zach Wheeler has not been on top of his game for much of this season uh, after throwing the you know a career high in innings a year ago. But Ranger Suarez, there is it feels like the first couple of starts when he returned from injury uh, were shaky, and we're still trying to figure things out. Uh, but he doesn't really have bad outings, and I understand the Chicago Cubs are not. You know, some overpowering team so far this season, and they're below 500. And uh, these aren't like the World Series Cubs, uh, you know, from six, seven years ago with 
Kyle Schwarber in that lineup. But uh, Ranger Suarez on Tuesday night, he goes seven and a third, allows four hits, one run, eight strikeouts, goes 104 pitches. And there was never a point in that game where you felt like, okay, he's going to blow up here. He's going to blow up here. He went through seven strong. He got into a little bit of a tr- in trouble in the eighth. I think Rob Thompson wanted to see how much he could get out of him. But I don't know if Rob Thompson brings out Aaron Nola for the eighth in that spot. I don't know if Rob Thompson brings out Zach Wheeler for the eighth in that kind of spot. And that shows you how much confidence he has in a guy like Ranger Suarez so far this season because every time that he exudes a little bit of trust in him, it pays off. And it pays off in a big, big way. And I don't think that was Ranger Suarez burning Rob Thompson by any stretch of the imagination. He got to 104 pitches. Ranger Suarez gave you everything he had, as he does, uh, each and every time he takes them out. His ERA is now among the starters up to a team-best 318. Uh, he's He was coming off an outing against the Braves where he went six innings, seven innings before that, six, seven, six and two-thirds. Uh, the guy is a lock to go six. Oftentimes will give you seven. Uh, he is yet to, he, he's allowed four earned runs uh, in the month of June. He hasn't allowed multiple earned runs in a singular start since May 30th uh, against the Mets, and that series was horrible uh, for the Phillies. His ERA has dropped a full four runs since that point. Uh, for as good of a month of June as Kyle Schwarber was having, Ranger Suarez is blowing him out of the water because this guy just pitches seven innings, one run, like it's nobody's business. And there's not a single person listening to this or who watches the Phillies who, if I told you winner take all game tomorrow, Phillies have Ranger Suarez on the mound, you'd feel good about it. And, you know, he doesn't have the experience uh, or you know, I guess the the veteran presence that a guy like Zach Wheeler has, but he just looks unfazed by every little thing uh, on the mound. And in terms of how he pitches, uh, I think any pure baseball fan can really appreciate it because, you know, it's just a lot of changing up pitch sequencing, uh, working both sides of the plate, uh, and a lot of deception. He's not, you know, out there to overpower guys. He's not there to, you know, show off his muscles. He's there to just show you the skills of what he has and pitch to the best of his ability and look unfazed by any, you know, guys get on base. He doesn't really change his attitude or change his pitching style. Uh, and I think you can see that he's unfazed by stuff. Going back to the Cliff Lee comparison, anytime he gets a ball back to the mound, he's wiping his shirt. Uh, he, he's looking down like it's nothing. He just fires it right over there. I mean, nothing gets to this guy. Uh, I Ranger Suarez is slowly uh, becoming one of the fan favorites around here. Uh, and certainly I think it's deservedly so. So Ranger Suarez... Uh, the game ball goes to him. Uh, he's the number two starter on the team right now. And again, I think even closer to number one than he is number three. He has been an ace, frankly, uh, for the Phillies so far uh, this season. So that's takeaway number one. Takeaway number two, uh, a little appreciation for Brandon Marsh. So uh, one thing that uh, Jack and I were discussing on post game was the fact that recently him and uh, hitting coach Kevin Long had worked on kind of uh, making some adjustments to his swing uh, because of the fact that earlier in the year, you remember he got off to that blazing hot start, but then he felt like pitchers were starting to figure him out a little bit. And at first it was that they were just pounding with fastballs, and then it was pounding with breaking balls. Uh, and he had a different swing and a different approach based upon how he felt a pitcher was uh, throwing to him. And, you know, obviously every, hitting his timing and hitting his uh, a lot of things, but one thing that you're taught when you're very young is you never want to change uh, your swing. You always want to have the same swing, and you just want to stay back on, you know, breaking balls and change-ups and off-speed stuff uh, and things like that, and you want to be a little bit quicker getting your foot down 
uh, and timing uh, on a fastball. And obviously it helps if you have an idea of what's coming, uh, in particular at the major league level. I'm not pretending to understand what it's like to step in the batter's box uh, in the big leagues. But I do know that you want to have the same swing over and over and over again. And your swing is what got a guy like Brandon Marsh to the big leagues. Uh, and it's what's gotten him to uh, be one of the more... He was inconsistent. He was really, really hot at the beginning. Inconsistent, really fell off a cliff. But even for that bad month that he had, now he's got an OPS back over 800. He homers uh, two times on Tuesday night and both really, really good swings. And he is a guy who, you think back to a year ago, they got him at the trade deadline from the Angels. Phillies made two trades to the Angels last year. One was for Noah Syndergaard. uh, One was for Brandon Marsh. And the fact that Brandon Marsh, when they got him, was labeled as just a defensive center fielder and a guy who, you know, if he gives you anything with the bat, it's a bonus. Whether it's the Kevin Long magic or whether there was ability there that the Angels simply just were not getting, Brandon Marsh being a guy who is, like, in the in the lineup every single day, and in particular, he, he's struggled a lot in his career uh, against lefties and he doesn't always look confident up there against lefties, but if he can figure it out from arms on both sides of the of the plate, that's going to be huge for him. And for a guy to have started out as hot as he did and then fall off basically the face of the earth at the plate for a month there and then just return to form within the last week and have an OPS over 800, it shows you A, the ability that was there, B, how hot of a start he got out to, uh, but ultimately, I think the good sign, and you saw this on Tuesday night at Wrigley, is that if he has, if something has really clicked, if him and Kevin Long really did talk about something and figure out that his swing, he just needs one swing, and not one swing for fastballs, not one swing for breaking balls, uh, but there is an actual mechanical adjustment. We've seen this with a number of guys so far this season. Trey Turner uh, admitted to the media, you know, about a month, month and a half ago now, or it was early June, so almost a month ago now. Uh, that he made a mechanical adjustment with Kevin Long, that he kind of was able to go in the film room, go hit off the tee, uh, and get back to the basics. I think that's the one thing that maybe, I don't know if hitting coaches around the big leagues are afraid to do. You think about, like, what are you going to coach a major leaguer on his swing, right? This guy has played in a billion baseball games over the course of his life, and that swing is what got him to the big leagues. Once you get to the big leagues, it can be easy to, once you're going up against big league arms, again, maybe change your swing or lose your fundamentals or you get you develop a little hitch, things of that nature. And it does seem like Kevin Long's, I'll say, approach to hitting when a guy gets into a slump is sitting the guy down and being like, listen, here's what, and this sounds so elementary, right? Here's what was going well when you were hitting well. Here's what you're not doing now. And let's go analyze step-by-step the fundamentals of your swing. And let's make sure you're doing that each and every time. And we're going to beat the repetition into you uh, until you return to the hitter that we know we both know you can be. And if that's what he did with Brandon Marsh, and again, Brandon Marsh, very different case from a guy like Trey Turner. Trey Turner, you know, a former All-Star. And Brandon Marsh coming from the Angels, I didn't really have a whole lot of tape on him that would suggest he can be a better hitter. Uh, but over the last year, I think he has proven what that ability can be, and we're seeing it now. He had two beautiful swings on Tuesday night uh, at Wrigley. One was a solo home run. One was a two-run home run. Uh, so he gets the second game ball on the offensive side. And shout-out to Kevin Long because this guy, 
He knows how to teach hitting. He was able to, you know, kind of make an adjustment with Trey Turner. Would still like to see uh, more power and more consistency out of Trey Turner as he climbs back uh, in the second half. But his numbers have been uh, astronomically better in June than they were through April and May. And that, that seems to be, you know, a credit to him and Kevin Long stepping aside and making an adjustment. Let's really hope that that's what happened with Brandon Marsh here. Uh, early returns are suggesting uh, that that very well may be the case. Uh, and then my th- third and final takeaway from this game, the Jamison Tyon stinks. Uh, I was actually wishing for more offense uh, in this game for the Phillies. They were able to get to him late. Uh, you know, a win's a win uh, in that sense. The offense cruised for the most part, although they did have 11 strikeouts on only had two extra base hits beyond the home runs uh, from Brandon Marsh. Uh, he, the comparison a little bit to Aaron Nola, it seemed like Tyon would get either the two strikes or the two outs, and he would have trouble putting hitters away, putting innings away. Uh, and that's what we complain with Nola so much. And it was nice to see from a Phillies perspective that, all right, you got some hitters who are able to kind of work through some at-bats, and despite the fact they're getting behind in couch, they weren't giving up. Uh, and nice to see a guy on the other team for once actually struggle with the fact of putting hitters away and putting out uh, innings away. It always feels like that kind of stuff only happens to you and you only notice it when it happens to the Phillies. But I did notice uh, it happened to Jamison Tyon quite a bit uh, on Tuesday night. So that was nice to see. Um, and just overall, it was also nice to actually just have a win that the Phillies cruised to. I, I know the Phillies won uh, 5-1 against the Mets on Friday night, but it felt like it really hadn't been since the opening night in Oakland that the Phillies had a win that they just cruised to, like where they just put up runs early and often and, you know, your starters going deep into the game and Rob Thompson isn't living and dying on every managerial decision he made. I mean, he went to Gregory Soto and then Craig Kimbrell to finish this game out, but it didn't feel like a Rob Thompson managerial decision was going to make or break this game uh, and that there was no real high leverage situations. Uh, the 5-1 game against the Mets uh, on Friday, the few blunders in the field for the Mets it ended up giving away that game uh, in the later innings, but it wasn't like the offense really came to play and you felt like, all right, here's a few offensive highlights and they just cruised to a win and everyone can kick back and just enjoy Phillies baseball for a night. There hasn't been enough of that this season. I think the Phillies run differential reflects that. It's been a lot of one-run games, a lot of grinding out wins and uh, Rob Thompson either making a move that works and you say, okay, like there wasn't a lot of uh, margin for error there. Or he makes a move that people are questioning after the fact, and it feels like that's where the game was, you know, won or lost. And whenever you're analyzing a managerial's a manager's decision, it probably means it was a really, really tight game, and the margin for error was slim. So, uh, I would be really, really in favor of the Phillies having more games like this. I'm sure everyone would, uh, but it, it's hard to go through the course of a 162 game season consistently winning one run games. That's how you tax your bullpen. That's how you, you know, tax your starters because they never. They always got to be at 100%. They always have very little margin for error. Every pit, the next pitch always has to be their best pitch. Uh, again, I'm not suggesting that guys aren't trying, but I'm sure it's a lot more comfortable if you're Ranger Suarez or if you're Rob Thompson to send him back out there for the eighth inning with a 5 nothing lead or a 5-1 to one lead, uh, whatever the case might be, probably doesn't go back in there if it's a 2-1 game or if it's you know a 3-2 to two game or whatever the case might be. And, you know, I said earlier that I don't know if there's another starter in this rotation now who would go back in a situation like that. Uh, it's not as if Aaron Nola or Zach Wheeler have been in a ton of situations so far this season where they have that comfortable lead where Thompson can just see what he has and, you know, run that guy 
on E uh, into the on the gas tank, so to speak, uh, because even if he does allow a couple of base runners, you can pull him out and still feel confident that you're going to hold on comfortably and win the game. So that was takeaway number three. It would be really, really helpful if the Phillies had more nights like this, especially against weaker opponents. Uh, I think it was really, really important for the Phillies to get out and win game one of this series. Again, they have not played well at Wrigley Field uh, over the years here. It feels like we say that about a lot of road stadiums the Phillies play at, but Wrigley Field, I can remember a number of bad losses at. Uh, So very big for them to get this win out of the way. It would be a huge thing if they could win this series before coming home uh, this weekend against the Nationals. Uh, Just a three-game road trip, kind of a weird road trip, just submerged between two homestands. Uh, But if they could come away with a win here, uh, that would be huge for this baseball team. And frankly, they just need it to stay afloat uh, in the standings and, you know, convince that this front office that they should go all in at the trade deadline uh, and get this team back to the postseason for the second consecutive year. So that's going to do it for this first segment on the other side. I'm going to preview game two of this series. I'll tell you what's coming up at Wrigley Field later on tonight. I am Dan Wilson. You are listening to the Phillies Today podcast. Welcome back. Phillies Today podcast with your host, Dan Wilson, getting you set for game two of this three-game series out at Wrigley Field. It'll be a familiar face going for the Chicago Cubs, Drew Smiley, who comes in this game with a 338 ERA. Pretty good year for Drew Smiley. Uh, has been pretty consistently getting through either five uh, or more recently six innings. Uh, and he'll be going up against the six-inning masterclass guy himself for the Phillies in Aaron Nola, who has, exact, who has an ERA exactly one run higher than Drew Smiley this season at 438. Uh, Aaron Nola, of course, always I'm sure it's always cool for him to go back and pitch at Wrigley Field. His first start ever in the big leagues uh, came uh, on a Sunday at Wrigley Field the day after Cole Hamill's no-hitter. Um, and so I'm sure it's always cool to, for him to go back. And again, the Phillies coming off a win, uh, morale is high. They came off a weird win on Sunday where uh, one of the weirder wins of the season where the Mets gift them one. They, they have a series win over New York, and then they come out and win game one against the Cubs. And if it, it's one of those spots where as much as you trust Ranger Suarez, I know a lot of people, myself included, do not have consistent trust in Aaron Nola. And doesn't it just feel like it would be vintage Nola to like ruin the energy on the team right now? Or it seems like things, although they're not, I didn't come away from that Mets series encouraged necessarily, but things overall uh, have been going well for this baseball team. 16, as I mentioned, they've won 16 of the last 21. And that Aaron Nola would just, you know, he'll go six innings, allow four or five runs, get knocked around a little bit late. Uh, in a tight game, that, and then if they're going to lose one at Wrigley, it would be uh, against Aaron Nola. I really want to get rid of that idea in my head. I really, really hope I'm wrong. I kind of have this sense, and I feel like a lot of people have this sense, uh, that vintage Nola is going to pop up uh, in these type of spots. Uh, but I just, give me six innings out of Nola. Just make it a quality start. It's the Cubs. Let's try and keep it to like two runs, uh, and let's get some run support. You know, that, that's that's what I'm asking out of this Phillies offense. Uh, and more consistent across the board. Brandon Marsh stepped up uh, on on Tuesday night. Let's see something out of Bryce Harper. He was one of two guys uh, in the lineup on Tuesday who went 0 for 4. Uh, you know, most guys, seven out of nine guys in the starting lineup had a hit, but again, none of them, not many of them, extra base hits. Uh, only two extra base hits. One of them was a leadoff double to begin the game uh, by Schwarber, and there was one other double in the game. Um, and then, besides the home runs from Marsh. Uh, you know, so spread it out a little bit. Maybe this is a Castellanos uh, game. Maybe this is, again, Bryce Harper has historically 
hit great at Wrigley Field. So it would be really, really cool to see that. That's going to do it for today's episode of the Phillies Today podcast. Come back here for more episodes each and every day. Tomorrow, Francisco Rojas will have you. Until next time, I'm Dan Wilson. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.